Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. Friday, June 12th here in Omaha. Um, you don't have to wear those headphones. You can, and you can talk. It's okay. You can talk. Uh, Friday, It's Friday morning here in Omaha. Beautiful day. Uh, it's going to be warm, but man, sun shining. And uh, it has cooled off a little bit here in Nebraska. I hope you're staying hydrated uh, for a number of reasons. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice day. Um, my guest today is Kristen Hodge from Hinko Solutions. Um, she is a safety practitioner here in Nebraska, serving clients all over the region, I would assume. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, it's good to Doug. see you. Thanks you're part of our me. groups. You're part of our Midwest Safety Cooperative, and yeah. you're part of a number of different groups that we've been kind of engaging here in the area to try to introduce safety pro- professionals. Now, you're young. Uh, obviously, you haven't been out this very long. Tell me a little bit about your company. How long have you been doing this? Just over two years. Okay. And you you kind of specialize in... Now, your, your background is interesting to me. I think we've had this conversation. Uh, your background is more athletic right. training, is it not? But you are yeah. an ergonomist or you do ergonomic assessments. Yeah. Um, I was looking at your website. It's actually a really nice website. Um you do like spine health and things like that that I find very interesting and are probably overlooked to some degree. What, what all are you doing for your clients? Yeah, anything that has to do with preventing the overuse injuries or sprain strains type injuries. Uh-huh. So, Which is everybody. Everybody. So every client that I deal ergonomics, with. Ergonomics, the biomechanics. Everybody knows what ergo, ergonomics is. It's a very mm-hmm. trendy term and everyone mm-hmm. knows that. Biomechanics, people are less familiar with, but it's the people. It's making mm-hmm. the people work better within the production systems. I like so, that. So kind of a two-prong approach there between those two things. I do education sessions for employees and for employers. And like you said, spine health, preventing mm-hmm. back injuries. We have a, that is such a, a big few one different that I series. Probably, yeah. Is that, is that a, like an overlooked element of this? I mean, do you have to explain what you're talking about when you say I, I do spine health I, type of I work? I think back injuries are so prevalent that people know that there's a problem, um, but it's such a complex problem mm-hmm. that people don't know how to attack it. Right. So, right. And it's, it is complex to teach it to the workforce mm-hmm. of how to prevent the injuries. Um, so we can do a basic education session on it, mm-hmm. kind of teach them the fundamentals of it, and then actually do hands-on like workshops that. of where we get small groups of about 15 employee employees and actually teach them how to do right, things because right. you can tell people all day oh, you yeah. know lift with your legs not your back well, what does that actually look like and feel like what right. does that feel like when you contract your core and it's probably different for everyone i would assume mm-hmm. anatomically we can't sure. all lift the same way Correct. so yeah. you have to find a way to adapt to that yeah i think that's really interesting i think that is um yeah, it, it affects everyone, and people don't know so little about that stuff, truthfully, when you get right down to it. Because as you said, we've been promoting the same, you know, lift this way poster for 40 years, probably, right. and it's just, right. you know, this just ain't making it, you right. know, and it never has, and it probably never would, so... Well, and I all the respect in the world to the safety professionals because you guys have so many things that you do and so many important things with electrical safety and fall protection and sure. industrial sure. hygiene. The safety umbrella is so huge. My little lane under that umbrella is just preventing injuries. Mm-hmm. And so for safety professionals that might be a little weaker in that area mm-hmm. or simply don't have the time because when you look at um, – priority, you know, the fatality preventions are obviously more important than preventing a knee strain or something. But 
sometimes that can cause these things to get backburnered and you're not implementing right. the programs for that. And that's right. kind of where I come in to help to offload that, like that. or yeah. just to be a, of assistance because I know quite a bit about it mm-hmm. and maybe an area that safety professionals don't. Right. And, and I would agree. I don't think most, you certainly don't talk much about it at the OSHA Training Institute, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I think you're right. I think we tend to focus on the catastrophic and we focus mm-hmm. on those really um, high risk activities but the things that are actually hurting our employees, and I talk about this, um, and I've talked about it before, there are a number of different facets to your safety program. You know, one is compliance with OSHA. Uh, one might be some kind of preventive maintenance or preventive approach to equipment or machinery or things like that. One of them is what's actually hurting your employees. And I mean, and, and compliance with OSHA doesn't necessarily address the things that you are dealing with that are actually hurting your employees, the strains, mm-hmm. the sprains, the overuse injuries, things like that. I mean, those are, those are almost ignored by a large part of the safety community. So, you know, I think that's really important that you are able to focus in on those things because, again, I mean, that's what's causing our employees Right, and it's pain. helpful from a perspective of just job satisfaction too. So you want oh, to prevent the point. injuries and you want to, pre- you know, get your recordable injuries down, but you also are doing a service to your employees so that they're not going home stiff oh, and sore at the end yeah. of the day. And when they're feeling good at work, their job satisfaction goes up, which is great in and of itself. And then from the employer standpoint, you have less turnover, mm-hmm. um, you know, less retraining mm-hmm. and the cost, the indirect cost there. Yeah. And so, and so your background is more, and tell me about your background. How did you get into this? So I mean, was this just like a, you lost a bet or something or, I mean, that's how I got into safety. I right, just, yeah. I, I kind of fell into it like a lot of people do. I was in a, a little bit different career setting. I was, I'm an athletic trainer. So mm-hmm. my education and my background is in sports medicine. Oh, no kidding. So the, when you're watching a, a game and the person that runs onto the field, when someone gets injured, uh-huh. that was me oh, I was no running kidding. out awesome. there. So then you rehab the injury or you come up with prevention programs. So I did that for several years. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I got burnt out. I needed mm-hmm. a change. Mm-hmm. And I got a job at an orthopedic clinic in southern Indiana mm. and made the switch there to occupational medicine. So I was working in the clinic. I was working under an occupational physician. And then the other half of my time, I would do outreach to manufacturing companies mm-hmm. and I'd okay. be embedded in the company. Right. And so doing their work comp rehabs or doing the first aid assessments and seeing whether it needed to see a physician, kind of triaging those. And then if it was a recordable injury, doing the actual rehabs on site. Mm. So it was a somewhat of a career shift, but the fundamentals stay the same. Right. right. You know, you're looking at a volleyball team and who is most at risk of tearing their ACL when they're jumping at the net. And then how do you prevent that? Mm-hmm. Well, it translates very easily to looking at a production line and who is at risk of tearing their rotator cuff or injuring their back or getting carpal tunnel. And how do you prevent that? So the Mm skill set translated. Mm -hmm. The learning curve was OSHA. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) So I never had to deal with that when I was in athletics. Never had to think about OSHA. The good old days, as we refer to them. Well, pre-OSHA. Yeah, it just it just wasn't it just not they're not work injuries there, you know. And so I had to learn what is a first aid injury and a recordable mm-hmm. injury. And I had to learn how to document so you're not inadvertently making something right. recordable just through your documentation when you, it's really not. And so. Right. Well, just that skill, just to be able to, to convey that to your clients mm-hmm. has to be incredibly useful. Right. Because, uh, you know, in my experience with OSHA and since OSHA, 
Most employers don't do that well. I mean, they they have a very basic understanding of those recording um, requirements, but they're not good at it, and they make a lot of mistakes. It's difficult. It is you know, difficult. There, it's, there's a if something gets stitches, that's a clear-cut recordable injury, but mm-hmm. there is so much nuance mm-hmm. and gray area of, is this recordable or isn't it, or is it work-related or isn't it? Yeah. It's difficult. And so that learning curve was probably the most difficult part of my transition, but um, Karen Hall was a mentor for me, and oh, she taught you. me. And then I would was mess up and yeah, you, oh, <laughs> I'd mess for- up and she'd reteach me and I'd mess up and she'd reteach me. But she took the time to mentor me and help me with making this more of my career. So awesome. I'm very thankful for her oh, absolutely. and working under Dr. James Butler. That was also interesting because, you know, I know a lot about injuries, but he's an occupational medicine doctor. So he deals with mm-hmm. illnesses, too. So then you're mm-hmm. seeing electrocutions and chemical exposures and this is the protocol this Mm -hmm. is how we treat these and again something i'd never seen in athletics wow yeah so i learned a ton in indiana and i really enjoyed my time there i had a really good job um but sometimes you're on a life trajectory and the trajectory changes Uh and in my case my significant other passed away unexpectedly and Uh so then it's Kind of once you get through that and get a little clarity, a little bit of a reset. And I just had to think, where do I want to be and what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And the what do I want to do? I was doing it. I enjoyed my job, mm-hmm. but the where I wanted to be, I wanted to be back in Nebraska. Uh-huh. I had I'm from Nebraska. Okay. I'm from Holdridge, Nebraska, and oh, I sure. hadn't lived in Nebraska since I moved away from after college on to grad school. Right. So it was time to get back and. The job I was looking for didn't exist, so I kind of created my own job and formed my own company. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. It takes a lot of courage. I have been there, and I I did it much later professionally than you. Um, I was already an old man when I started my own company. Uh, It takes a lot of courage. Uh, It's kind of a leap of faith, but... It is. I I could not go back. I absolutely love it. I can tell. I have a sense that you love it. I do. Um, You're very passionate about it. That's a really interesting path. I think that... Um, the transition into occupational health and, and occupational safety related work activity. That's really interesting. I would have, because I look at the, the trainers, the athletic uh-huh. people and think, wow, that looks awesome. It was you awesome. Know? I just, it's the it's seven days a week. The off season is a myth. Those mm-hmm. athletes train all the time. Yeah, There's right. no, you know, you're, you're traveling on the weekends to go to games. It, it You just get burnt out in it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the career span for that profession isn't that long yeah. because a lot of people do get burnt out. And so on those services that you offer, what what is most common? What do your clients need most often or what are they asking? You know, for? right now it's been a lot of pre-shift stretching programs. Um, we're updating those. It's kind of my mission in life to do away with the cookie cutter programs that we mm-hmm. had hanging on the wall since the 80s. Mm-hmm. We can do so much better. And well, so that's right what, what we're doing. Yes, exactly. It's dusty and you kind of scooch the dust off of it mm-hmm. to see it if you care. And <laughs> yeah, and nobody really follows them anyway. No. They're kind of half-ass and everything. Right. So like. we're making programs more custom, definitely more custom and maybe Making them so people actually do them and they're more compliant that. with them and don't just go through the motions. And they appreciate why and all of those things right. that we probably ignored 30, 40 years ago. We didn't even explain those things. Right. I think that's fantastic. I, I am a believer. I, I know that in my own life that a certain amount of uh, mobility work and, and flexibility work, some stretching, you know, just even some like just... Uh, you know, pre-activity, kind of a functional warm-up of sorts helps me immensely. And I've, I've had chronic back problems my entire life. And if I didn't do those things, 
You know, I spend a lot of time on plant floors, you know, standing in steel-toed boots on concrete. And my back is killing me at the end of the day if I don't do something to prepare. So I'm a believer that that is really important for everybody, probably. Right. Do most companies, have most companies implemented some kind of a pre-shift stretching approach? Or is that still, are we behind the curve on that? We're updating them. The clients that I'm getting have them in place and they realize that they're not what they need, that we can do better. And so we can customize them. Let's say we have a fictional company of 160 employees Mm -hmm. and 50 of those employees are doing kind of the fine dexterity work where they're maybe fitting little components into little components. Mm -hmm. They're looking down all day. So they're getting some neck pain, forward rounded shoulders. We know by looking at that, <laughs> I have to sit up straight. You're looking at me with that critical eye. I can tell. Okay. So what you can you can tell by looking at them. It doesn't take a master's yeah. degree to say, well, they're probably going to have hand, wrist, forearm injuries, and right. then up into the shoulders and neck because they're looking down, hunched over all day. Well, if management has generously given us, let's say, seven minutes to stretch at the beginning of the day, are we going to spend three of those precious seven minutes stretching? the hamstrings and the quads and the calves mm-hmm. when they are not at risk of having overuse injuries for mm-hmm. those Good point. body parts. So right. we can make them a program where seven minutes of stretching and doing exercises to correct the muscle imbalances in the upper extremities, upper back and neck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean to be facetious. Would you consider that generous seven minutes? Is that, is that a useful it's, amount of time? It's useful. I'm Getting about seven, eight minutes, okay. which I'm happy with. And you can work with that. I can work with that. Okay. Wow. That's mm-hmm. good. Some other um, companies are doing rotating programs, which mm-hmm. is great. So it's a way to get a little more compliance from the employees. Because if you're asking them to do the same stretches every day of their working mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. the monotony sets in and then, yeah, they, sure. then, you know, they kind of just go through the motions. Right. Whereas... I've had some companies that were doing an A program where we'll do program A for a month, January, and then in February do another program, and then March do another program, and then in April we're back to the A program. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a little bit of variety that we can switch it up. But I then also idea. if we're adding more stretches and it's a more holistic program, instead of just having 10 stretches, now we have 30 that we're rotating through. So we can mm-hmm. hit slightly different muscle groups. You know, if we're doing an exercise that's working the upper back, one might be working the upper traps and one mm-hmm. might be working the rhomboids. So we can do, make some subtle changes mm-hmm. from program to program that the employee might not realize is happening, but it's mm-hmm. built into the program to be a little more holistic. And it keeps them engaged because, they're not, as you said, they're not doing the same thing over and over, right. which is, I mean, I don't care who you are or what you're doing, that, that you know, that we habituate that repetition and it just becomes... yeah. You know, in my previous life, uh, back in the old days when I would train, when I worked out and trained, we did things that we would call waves where we would do a certain certain exercises um, for three or four weeks. And then we would change them just to try to keep your body from habituating those things. And it sounds kind of like the same thing. If Mm -hmm. you I like I love, in fact, the idea of mixing up two or three different um, stretching uh, programs mm-hmm. just to try to keep it new and fresh and actually probably improve the result by altering those even just slightly. Yeah. So we can make custom programs in a lot of different ways. So I go in there and kind of assess what they have going on. What do we see? 
you know, what do our eyes tell us when we're walking around mm-hmm. of what we assume are the high risk jobs or whatever it is? And then what does the, the data objectively tell us? Does that match up? Is mm-hmm. that where the injuries are coming from? Uh, and we can put those components together to come up with a program for them. So it's going to be a lot more beneficial than just printing one off the internet. Or you can right. go to a physical therapy clinic or a chiropractor clinic and ask for stretches and they'll give them to you. They'll, sure. they're happy to sell you a program. Sure. Um, but unless that's a service they provide where they're actually finding out what you need and what your employees need, it's not going to be that beneficial. Right. I love that. That's really fantastic. I need one, in fact. So maybe after this is over, <laughs> we can work something I, need, out. I need a new stretching program. I, you know, I've been trying for years. To t- but um, so let me ask you something just slightly off point. Um, you know, Ke- Kelly Starrett, K-Star, the mobility wad guy. He's okay. the physical therapy guy. Um, so K- he's kind of the uh, uh, the CrossFit guy. that, And he's got a PhD in uh, physical therapy or something. And he has got a book called The Supple Leopard, all about stretching and mobility and flexibility and things. So I was watching a YouTube video by him just a few days ago. One of my boys sent it to me, the link to it. And he's talking about squatting just as, a, as, a, just a, as an anatomical human being, just getting down into a squat position, barefooted, you know, not, not at the gym. This is just at your home, barefooted, just getting down into a squat position trying to get a little bit of that lumbar relaxation and kind of, you know, and, um, you know, our ancestors, if you believe that, you, you know, used to kind of stand, uh, sit in a squat position all the time. And so he's got this 10-minute squat challenge. You know, if you can, you know, sink down into a squat and just kind of sit there like you would be around a campfire, you know, our ancestors many years ago, um, you're probably in good anatomical condition. I, I went, you know, I did this yesterday and lasted about 20 seconds. You know, I didn't get anywhere near the 10 minute squat. So uh, this has become my mission. I am going to work on this because I have such limited hip flexibility, ankle flexibility, all of that old age stuff setting in and all that probably poor use and stuff. Um, what do you think? I mean, are you familiar? Well, with that? Well, you you're that? right. The squat is very complex because it works your ankles, knees, hips, core, your core is yeah, involved. Yeah, absolutely. And so it is very difficult to execute it properly. And so that's why when we, we constantly preach to employees, lift with your legs, you know, bend your knees, get down, lift with mm-hmm. your legs. Well, what if they physically cannot get into that position? Right. What if they don't have the ankle mobility to do that or the right. core strength to keep their torso upright as they're lowering down? Absolutely. They physically cannot get in that position. So it's not that they don't want to lift properly. It's that they can't lift properly. And so we have to change how the muscles are working and how they are balanced in order for them to achieve that. Right. So are you actually going into a, into a company and then teaching them these things and actually hoping, maybe helping them develop some of that Right. And ability? so you can kind of teach them one by one or do a class on it. And then also once you get a baseline program set up, like a pre-shift program, then you always have something to refer back to. So if somebody is not able to do something like that, if they can't get into their squat position, you have a program to call back to and say, make sure you're doing these specific exercises. These are the ones that are really going to help you specifically. So then you're not prescribing anything new. This program is available to everyone. Telling them to do this program Mm -hmm. that's available to everyone does not make it a recordable injury. Right. And so you have a baseline of these exercises to call back to. Mm -hmm. I love that. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, I I need some help. (laughs) I really love that. No, I think, you know, that is so 
next level, higher level stuff. Most people have never even considered those things. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm really impressed. Right. So there are so many things that you can do to help your employees just move better, feel mm-hmm. better if from a medical standpoint mm-hmm. to lower injuries, but then also, like we said, just so that they feel better and don't have the right. aches and pains. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Well, that's fantastic. So are you working that are your clients primarily industrial or yeah. do you work with construction companies as yeah. well? Yeah. So it, it translates to anything. So it, it manufacturing, does, construction, warehousing. Um, I have I don't have office. any I mean, people office. that sit all the time. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So you don't, there are no limits. You would, you would. Uh, so far I haven't found any. <laughs> okay, good. Good for you. I like that because I think um, I, I see that, you know, when we hear ergonomics, I, I think at least for me, I'm, I'm primarily an industrial safety, industrial hygiene guy. So I tend to work primarily with industrial settings. But there is a tremendous demand for this, obviously, in construction as well. And I like your thoughts, you know, warehousing, even administrative activities where, you know, I mean, this might be, you know, this new work from home boon. This might be something that you can even do virtually and train, you know, thousands of people that are now working from home in some half-assed workspace they've set up at home, you know, I mean, right. that's going to be a whole new wave of, of injury and, in, you know, body insult that we've created because everybody is setting up some home workspace or something right. that's probably not well considered. Now frankly. everyone's working at home like I do and getting the tight hip flexors that yeah, I have exactly. from sitting all day. <laughs> I do too. I, I, I do too. I, I, that has been, it's like a disease almost, mm-hmm. you know, this sitting in the chair hip flexor issue. I mean, I've heard it, you know, described as like the next smoking, you know, it's just this, you know, pervasive issue that we're all going to be dealing with or are dealing with now. So, so one of the segments that we've created as we've kind of evolved the the podcast was this, uh, this OSHA coffee break, Uh, because I think people are interested in OSHA and they like to hear about OSHA. And you've already alluded to the record keeping. Um, I think most companies do are still challenged by record keeping. If I was to you know talk about what questions I get the most, they are typically record keeping questions. You know, people just want a second opinion or something. But what you know, if I was to ask you, um, are there things that that you see in in the work environments that you visit uh, challenges or like you know OSHA regulatory challenges that clients are dealing with or do are they doing some things particularly well with regard to OSHA or well most of what I do falls under the general duty clause sure so yeah, the, really true. the only standard that I wade into is the documentation part and kind of guiding them on that okay so you've got like the uh, the 1904 which is mm-hmm. record keeping and then yeah. there's the 1020 which is you know, document retention, medical records and things like that, probably. Right. And so I, and, yeah, and, uh, and I gave a talk um, to a few safety groups. And if any other safety groups want me to come, I'm happy to. But it was called um, Reducing Recordable Injuries in an Employee's Choice State. So in Nebraska, mm-hmm. the employee can choose what doctor they go mm-hmm. to. And a lot of times the employers feel like they're getting stuck with recordable injuries because it's a doctor that's not familiar with work comp and right. doesn't understand restrictions right. or where they put a restriction and made it a recordable injury and they don't understand that. Absolutely. And so it's a huge problem. So it was kind of a course to help employers on reducing these recordable injuries and some strategies that you can use. Mm-hmm. And so one part of that was about documentation and kind of reviewing the standards from the OSHA website mm-hmm. and just a refresher on, you know, for instance, if a doctor sends a restriction back that says no use of right arm, and you're thinking, well, they can do their full routine job functions with just their left arm. People think they have to count that as a recordable just because there was a 
a restriction sent back. Right. And that's right. not the case. If that's you correct. can Yeah, that's good. If you Absolutely. can do all of your routine job functions and work a full work day, then it's you don't have to document that as recordable. That's exactly right. Good for you. Yeah, that's right. And that's often misunderstood. A lot yeah. of those are misunderstood. And yeah, again, I think so many um companies that I've worked with in the past, when I was with OSHA, I mean again, I you know, as the compliance assistance specialist, record keeping was always the most commonly asked questions. People were always confused by that. It's a confusing standard. It is. You know, I tell people um, probably 95% of what you deal with is fairly straightforward. You can figure out whether to record it or not, you know. Uh, 5% of the issues that you deal with are really confusing. They're not black and white. They're not in the standard. They're probably not in the frequently asked questions. There's nothing, and you just have to kind of figure it out. And I used to... When I would run into those issues, I would call a buddy of mine up in the national office who was involved in writing the standard. I think well, I, that's a good is, resource. Yeah, he was a great resource. <laughs> he, he taught me. I took a class, and he was one of the instructors. Dave Schmidt. I probably I don't know if he, I should say his name or not. He was in the office of statistics up in the national office. Really nice guy, bright guy. And I would call him, and I'd say, Dave, hey man, I've got this issue. Um, I don't know the answer. And we would talk about it and he just go, he would just go, huh? I don't know. What do you think, Doug? And I'm like, Dave, you wrote the standard for God's sakes. What's the answer? And he's like, I don't know, man. I mean, we, we certainly could not anticipate every scenario. And so just apply the rules as best you can and come up with an answer and just, you know, I yeah, mean, as best you can. And if you document, you know, to the yeah. best of your knowledge and you can defend it through your documentation, then that, that's exactly it. That is great advice. Just document as best you can the decision that you made, because inevitably you will not be asked about it that week. It'll probably be three or four years later when some OSHA compliance officer asks you about it. And if you don't have good documentation, you're kind of going to fumble all over your answer. But if you've documented it well, and make an argument why you believed it should or shouldn't have been recorded. And, you know, I mean, then that's defendable. I don't think OSHA cares about that. I think what OSHA really cares about is systemic underreporting. Yes. You know, if you are, if you are doing something incorrectly and report, underreporting, they don't like that. Right. And we certainly don't want to overreport because it gets us onto lists we don't want to be on, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a really critical activity, and I don't know that people necessarily – Look at it that way. They kind of just assign record keeping to somebody, some administrative person typically. You take care of the recording. And there is a risk to that. You know, you need to understand this. And, you know, and if you don't, you need to get assistance like what you're offering your clients. Uh, that's really important. So, yeah, it's interesting your comment because you're a kind of a general duty um, safety person, or or maybe you're not a safety person. How, what would you describe yourself? Are you a safety person? Yeah, I mean, I come from the world of healthcare, so I side more on the healthcare side, but right. I do but work in safety. More injury so, prevention, right? I mean, right. Most of us safety people, I mean, we dabble in prevention, but we're really kind of reactive oftentimes. Yeah. You know? So if I get a question about a standard that's not in my wheelhouse, it's probably you need to talk to Doug about that one. Yeah, I don't, and, and, I don't know, you know anything about that. But, yeah, and but but yeah, but being in the world of general duty, you know, to provide a workplace free from recognized hazards, you know, as you said, the strains, sprains, most of those, those are the things that are hurting our employees typically. And since they don't have a specific standard or regulation, um, employers tend to be really uh, kind of wishy-washy about those, right? you know, and so uh, they need help, which right. is why, man, I, um, this is an incredible resource for them. And I, I'm really loving the whole 
approach that you're taking. Yeah, it's one of those things that can fall through the cracks. Just when you want to start to get a program together, then maybe a near-miss fall accident happens, and then that has all of your attention because mm-hmm. you almost had a fatality, possibly. Right. So then it gets backburnered again, and it's one of those things that you can always seem to push off. And so mm-hmm. I can help them mm-hmm. offload that and finally and, execute and it's it just for not them. as objective. I mean, the stuff that you're talking about, is a little bit, I mean, it's easy to see that this press needs a guard, or it's easy to see that this electrical fixture needs a cover, but what you're talking about is a little, much more nuanced and subtle oftentimes, and uh, so, as you said, people just ignore it. They just pretend yeah. it doesn't exist, and, and that's a problem. And I also want to make it clear that I'm, I want to help all throughout Nebraska, so I don't want, you know, I'm from Holders, Nebraska. We have a couple of manufacturing facilities Mm -hmm. there, and there are facilities sprinkled all throughout Nebraska, and I don't want them to think that they don't have the resources that Omaha and Lincoln have, and they're out on their own there. I travel. I'm happy to throw my golf clubs in the back, travel, consult for you, and then hit your local golf course. That's a pretty good day for me. Yeah, that is an awesome. (laughs) awesome. You know, it's interesting you say that because – when I was with OSHA, we traveled constantly. Every Monday you'd come in, you'd get your work assignments, you'd be on the road. I mean, with one office in Nebraska and a fairly large geographic uh, area to cover, we were on the road a lot. And so I always traveled with golf clubs and a fishing pole, you know. And, and man, I found some, I mean, some of these uh, small towns have some incredible golf they facilities, do. man. They I do. Mean, it's really, really remarkable. So I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know... They all need, they all deserve help. You know, they all need help and um, they don't always get it because I think most of the resources are focused kind of in the Omaha Lincoln area. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Plus there's some really beautiful parts of the state that, you know, the interstate 80 crowd doesn't get to, Yeah. you know, they just drive right through. And I've, I always loved seeing parts of Nebraska that I had not been to otherwise. And they're, they're really, truly some we have a national forest, for example. Yeah. I mean, who knew that? <laughs> yeah, you, know? you would know it by looking around sometimes. You would not know that, exactly. <laughs> well, um, you've already mentioned a couple of your mentors, and this show was originally intended to just serve as you know, something of like electronic mentorship for people that don't have the resources that we may have had coming up. And uh, you mentioned a couple of your mentors. Um, give me their names again. Yeah, Karen Hall. She was the occupational health nurse where I was at. And then Dr. James Butler was the physician. So this is in Indiana, Southern Indiana. Indiana. Whereabouts? Evansville. Oh, I know Evansville. I've got a son at Butler in Indianapolis and I've got relatives from all over Indiana. So we're in Indiana (laughs) all the time, man. Yeah. So they, they helped, helped me out. And that's, that's a neat thing when someone sees something in you to take the time to work through the difficulties and get you through to the other side. And they definitely did that. And then for Jerry Blanton to hire me to, you know, this athletic trainer that suddenly wants to work in, in the industrial yeah. setting and he took a flyer yeah. on me. And oh, good. so, yeah, I'm someone took grateful. a flyer on all of us at some point. Right. And that, yeah, that is uh, impressive. I appreciate that too. Well, let me, so one other thing I want to know is, uh, and again, we just recently started this section, but again, part of this program, my intention was just to offer resources to people, just like your services are a resource to people all over Nebraska or this region um, and tools, uh, websites, uh, other things that you find valuable. So one of my questions is, um, as a, as a safety and health professional, you know, is there anything that you just can't live without? I mean, something that you use that you would suggest 
to others that might be a valuable resource or might be um, helpful to them? What would what would you say if I said I can't live without blank? You know, I would suggest to people that they have to have a good occupational medicine doctor. Oh yeah, lined up and ready to go. Even though it's an employee's choice state, a lot of employees don't have a primary care doctor, mm-hmm. and so they'll go where you tell them to go. But if you have a physician that understands OSHA rules, that understands routine job functions, and you can send the routine job functions with the employee to the doctor, and then you're avoiding the headache of, well, the doctor said don't lift over 20 pounds, but this employee never lifts anything over 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. So can't we just say full duty? And so you're saving the headache, you're saving recordable injuries, and you have someone to answer your questions. And to me, it's invaluable to have someone like that or to have a physical therapy clinic that understands work comp. And if you don't have those resources, talk with other companies in your area, your geographical area, mm-hmm. who do you use? Who do you use that's really good with work comp? And that's start getting advice. some names and then you st- can start using them as mm-hmm. your resources that, as that well. That is great advice. And again, I, I completely agree. Um, if you are utilizing someone who is unfamiliar with occupational health, you know, those those issues, it can be really detrimental to your, not, not only to the care for the employees, because there's some occupational issues that are probably best cared for by someone with that expertise. Right. But, you know, even the record keeping and things like that, or even the prescriptions or, you know, they give you a prescription that's unnecessary, right. not realizing that now all of a sudden you've made this recordable or uh, those. And so that is, uh, yeah, that's excellent advice. So you can't live without a knowledgeable occupational health professional, someone to help you with those. Yes. I love it. That's really good. And, you know, finding those, um, there probably are. I think your your suggestion to contact other companies in your geographic area and see who they're using that's that's a good advice too. Because I'm not sure that there is a a resource. I mean, there's probably a listing of occupational health providers in Nebraska, but I'm not familiar with it. So maybe best just to get that from a yeah. Or if you have a if yeah, whenever you go to your if you have a local safety group or a conference that you go to, ask around yeah. when you're kind of doing your networking. Ask them. Mm-hmm. Do. You, well, I mean, do you work with certain occupational health providers or will you work with anyone? That I don't the right now because with? I don't do right now. I'm not doing any health care. I'm okay. solely prevention. OK, so if I do get back into doing rehabs and things like that, then I definitely will. With but someone or, for now, I'm just kind of doing the okay. exercise science part. So I don't. OK, you're on the pre the pre side. Right. Okay. Hopefully they sense. don't get the injury. Yeah, I, I haven't been. Uh, I, I am aware of a, a number of providers. There's some excellent occupational health. Providers, I don't really endorse any one. I don't work exclusively with any one. Typically, whomever the company is aligned with, we can, you know, work cooperatively to help the company. But yeah, that that, that I really think that's. I'm going to put all these together at some point on the website and yeah. just put these all, you know, so there'll be a separate tab at some point where people can go and look at all these, you know, just to try to get some ideas. Yeah, you that'd know, be I a just great resource. That, I think it would too. I think it would be really helpful. Um. I kind of saved the ranting for the end here because okay. I'm, I'm a little bit, um, you know, usually there are observations that you make during the week and something that I talk about. I know that you and I have a mutual friend, a safety professional uh, who we both work with, who has um, been diagnosed with COVID and is actually hospitalized right now. And, you know, I obviously can't mention his name, but I just want him to know we're thinking about him. We're rooting yeah. for him. Hopefully he gets well soon and get back to work. You lazy, you know, um, we need him in the plant. You know, we don't need him in the hospital. So we're hoping he's doing better. 
for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm not typically sensitive to all this HIPAA stuff, but I, I'm trying to be, you know, at least I know that that's not up to me to let him, you know, anyone know who he is specifically. But he knows yeah. what we're thinking about him. Yep. Um, another thing, gosh, um, and please, uh, if you have anything that you'd like to add, but I was reading uh, the newspaper this morning before I left for the office and there was another article about um, COVID in the food processing and the meatpacking plants here in Nebraska. And um, the article was from a, uh, one of the staff members at UNMC who, was, who has done research on meatpacking and working with the facilities. I know they have worked closely with the facilities and with the governor's office here in Nebraska uh, on approaches to reducing transmission, you know. And... Um, it was pretty critical. I mean, I know there, you know, that the meat packing, the food processing facilities here in Nebraska have obviously shown a number of cases, and some of them have quite a large number of cases of COVID. Uh, it's incredibly challenging. I mean, this is this is a hazard that, you know, in all likelihood is is would be impossible to eliminate. I mean, if you're following the hierarchy of control, eliminating this hazard, you know, this microscopic hazard is probably impossible. Reducing it is what we're trying to accomplish. And so most of these companies are taking steps that the CDC recommended, you know, distancing to the extent that they are able, to the extent that it's feasible and PPE or some type of face coverings or something, gloves, face shields, barriers, what have you, even screening as employees are coming into facilities. I know many of them are doing those things. And and we talked a little bit about this before we started the show, but, um, I don't know if they just were behind the curve and they just started making, you know, implementing some of these things a little bit, not too late, but later, you know, um, I just, I know that people are very critical of the food industry and very concerned about it. And gosh, you know, you and our, our livelihood is protecting employees. That's what we do. But I do want to just acknowledge that some of the employers that I work with have, have taken extreme measures to try to protect their employees. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, you know, I mean, if it had just been one plant that it ran rampant through, you could maybe say they didn't right. do enough, they didn't take precautions. But that it's in so many plants just kind of shows how inherently difficult it is Incredibly in that difficult. job setting to. Yeah, and and the industry, I mean, the industry itself is very challenging. I mean, there are parts of these plants where you do work in close proximity to your coworkers. And in spite of, you know, putting, you know, physical barriers between them or using face coverings and face shields and gloves and other, you know, other preventive device. I mean, it's, um, it's not easy to address all of those potential exposure routes. You know, it's just incredibly challenging. I mean, I was talking to my wife about this. You go into the grocery store and you are certainly within th- within six feet of the person behind the counter when you're checking out and, They've all put up little barriers, you know, and that's nice. It looks really cute. They've got a little Lexan barrier up there, but I'm usually on one side of it when I'm feeding my groceries onto the belt, and then I'm on the other side of it when I'm getting my change or my receipt or something. So, you know, for a moment or two, there's a barrier between us, but, you know, we're still sharing a common airspace, even though we're both wearing face coverings. I mean, it's just not perfect. So, I, you know, I'm not here to... Um, you know, say that everything is perfect in the food processing world, but I do want people to appreciate the fact that they're working really hard at this. And the companies that you and I work with, good companies, have taken some incredible measures to try to, you know, at least reduce the potential for the, you know, exchange of the the virus. So 
I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm not sure this is ever going to go away. Well, that's good to hear from, from someone that's actually in the plants and is seeing what they're doing and not just on the outside looking in saying, why aren't you doing something? Right. So. It's easy to, it's easy to be critical when you don't really know what's yeah. going on or you don't have that information. But, um, anything that you want to add? Any, and now, so how do people get in touch with you? I'm going to put your information, your contact information on my website. It will accompany the link to this episode, so they can go to FletcherSafety.com and find you. Um, as If they want to reach out to you directly, uh, website, phone number, how do you want them to reach out to you? Email? Yeah, the website is HincoSolutions.com. It's H-I-N-C-O Solutions.com. And then I'm just Kristen at HincoSolutions.com. So you can reach me through email. Okay. Or if they, if you want to give someone my phone number, that's fine. Okay, so, absolutely. Yeah, well, it'll I'm be happy, on the website. Happy to answer any questions people good. have. Oh man, it's impressive. I really, I really, really like what you're doing. Well, thank um, you. Incredibly useful stuff. Uh, and uh, right afterwards, we're gonna have to go through some stretching. Yeah. <laughs> so and Pat too. <laughs> Pat just wandered in. I mean, this guy needs to stretch. I mean, I mean, I, you could see. I can see you looking at him thinking. <laughs> Tight hamstrings, oh man, bad hip flexors, <laughs> shoulders rolled forward. He's everything you just described. You're good, <laughs> right. so, Kristen. It's good to see you. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having uh, me. Thanks Doug. for what you're doing out there uh, to prevent injuries. Um, it's inc- incredibly important. Uh, thanks to all my sponsors, and I just want to remind everybody: uh, just focus on why we do this, and we'll figure out the how and the what. But as long as we're focusing on why. You know, the well-being of these employees we're trying to serve, I think the rest will fall into place. So have a great weekend, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks. A Parkville Media Production.